Hello everybody and welcome to episode 8 of the Navigating the Motherhood podcast. Welcome back. Thank you for continuing to listen and support the podcast and I can't tell you how much joy I get when my DMs are filled with people saying amazing things about episodes or that it's really helped them um, or it's given them some sort of sense of comfort. That's exactly what I wanted from this podcast. So a huge, huge thank you. Please keep sending in your feedback, both good and constructive um, I would love to hear from you. And if you are interested in being a Patreon supporter, that is always open. The details will be in the show notes. Uh, last week, I actually started a new video series for my Patreons, which is called Five Things I Wish I Knew. Um, and I am talking about five things I wish I knew on various specific topics. So my first video was all about five things I wish I knew about pregnancy. Um, so if you are interested in joining and getting access to all of that free content, all of the details will be below. And I would love to have you. Also, I'd like to give a shout out to my patrons for actually voting that this was the next episode they wanted to hear. So again, if you want exclusive voting rights, you know what to do. So let's talk about this week's episode. It is with the gorgeous Alice from Alice and the Mums magazine on Instagram. All of her details, as always, including a link to her incredible free magazine, will be in the show notes. And we are talking all about our changing relationships with our bodies. We talk about how we viewed our bodies before, during and after pregnancy, how we've got to the stages that we are at today with, um, I guess, loving and appreciating our bodies. Um, although that is obviously not an everyday occurrence, as I'm sure a lot of you know. Alice also talks incredibly vulnerably and honestly about her experience of being diagnosed with body dysmorphia disorder and how she viewed her body beforehand and the journey that she then went on when she got pregnant um, with her gorgeous little man. Um, And I think it's an episode that a lot of people are going to get a lot from, I hope. Um, But I also think it's, you know, it's incredibly important that I, I guess, pop a trigger warning here. We do talk about our experiences with food. We talk about, you know, experiences with how we view our bodies. And I guess I understand that for a lot of people who I guess are struggling, that might be a difficult thing to listen to. And I totally get it. So if you need to sit this one out and shut this podcast down from this point, I totally, totally understand. For those people who have been in therapy, we also talk a lot about CBT and how that saved our lives. And again, if that's something that is maybe a bit triggering for you, again, I totally, totally get it tune in for the next one. But for those of you that do want to listen, I hope that for those of you that are having a hard time with accepting your new bodies, that this podcast helps and gives you some comfort. Um, And for the rest of you, I hope it's just an incredibly interesting listen. And please go and share all the love to Alice for sharing her story. I think it's an important one to share. I hope you love the episode. I look forward to hearing what you say about it on Wednesday. And until the next time, Speak to you soon. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode eight of Navigating the Motherhood podcast. My gorgeous guest this week is the lovely Alice King, and she's here to talk all things body image before, during and after pregnancy. Um, But instead of me introducing her, I'm going to let her introduce herself. So, Alice, for those that People that don't know you, do you want to introduce yourself and your family setup? Of course. So I'm Alice and my partner's called Rob 
Uh, we're both teachers and we have a little boy called Ted who is now two and we live in Essex. Amazing. You're actually not that far from me in Essex, really. My sister-in-law no. lives in Essex. Oh, really? So yeah. Um, so thank you so much for coming on and talking about a topic that I think is always a hot topic amongst mums, but I mm. feel like you're going to bring a really interesting uh, viewpoint to it based on your prior experiences. So I think we should probably go all the way back to even before little ones were even a twinkle in our eyes, as they mm. say. What was your relationship like with your body before you got pregnant? So it was always very up and down. So when I was about probably about 13, 14, I remember having. I guess what the typical 13, 14 year old kind of feelings that they would have about their body. But the only way I can describe it is it was to the extreme. Like it was to the point where I thought people were constantly looking at me. Um, And I just constantly felt kind of like the body I was in wasn't enough. Like it wasn't good enough compared to those around me. And I always felt like I was like bigger than everyone else. I was, I've always been quite tall. Um, and I felt from about the age of probably about 12 or 11, like I had a womanly body, but everyone else around me didn't. So I just felt like I really, really stood out. But it wasn't really until I left home, went to uni, um, that my mental health took a bit of a decline. So I was probably about 20. And I remember I just, I think I called my sister. I was in a hotel in Liverpool, called my sister, and I told her that I wasn't okay. Basically, I told her that the way that I was feeling, like I felt like I was crazy, (laughs) I remember saying to her. She told my mum straight away, And I came back home because I was at uni in Manchester. So I came back home, went to the doctors and was diagnosed with depression and anxiety. And then a couple of months later, I started going to counselling and I also had CBT. And it wasn't until I started my CBT sessions that the therapist said to me that it sounded like I had body dysmorphia um yeah and I just like my the way that I felt about myself it really did just take over my whole life like I couldn't go out in public because I felt like everyone was looking at me everywhere that I went I felt like if I didn't look a hundred percent that I wasn't enough and that no one would want to talk to me which I think at that age and going to uni and that sort of thing such a crucial time for meeting new people and making friends and I really struggled because of that yeah yeah it feels like when you go to places like uni you just you assume that everybody is carefree and it's going to be really social and I guess if you're not confident in yourself that must have felt like a really daunting thing Yeah, it was, I felt like as well, a lot of um, 
the way that people accepted me was all based on the way that I looked, if that makes sense. So sometimes I would feel really confident, but I'd only feel really confident if I was dressed a certain way or if I had a full face of makeup and my hair was done. But everyone else around me, they would be wearing pajamas and their hair in a messy bun and like they could just sit in the lounge or sit in the kitchen and you could tell that they were comfortable. Yeah. And I never felt like I could do that. And people sort of just made a joke out of it because I was the Essex girl in Manchester. It was just this like ongoing joke that I was the one with the tan. I was the one with the lashes on and the, you know, this big brown uh, curly hair, like always blow dried. And it was just like kind of made a joke. Whereas inside it was, it was actually quite painful in a way. And, I was gonna say, and inside it, wasn't funny no <laughs> like like outwardly yeah. I was just like laughing it off but inside like yeah it was really really painful I just wanted to be able to kind of accept who I was without the makeup and without a dress that hid certain parts of my body and made others look good it was just yeah just always been a struggle it must must have also been like I guess exhausting because I guess deep down it. I mean, and I say I, I'm very privileged that I've I've never had that kind of experience. Mm. But I guess deep down it must feel like you've always got to be on, which must be really exhausting. Yeah, it is. I just I always feel like if I'm not wearing something that makes me look a certain way, if I'm leaving the house like without makeup, or I just I just couldn't like I would have to cover my face with something or wear a hat to like hide underneath or yeah it's just I just didn't want anyone to look at me but then in the process of not wanting anyone to look at me I always felt like everyone was looking at me if that makes sense and it was just a complete it was just paranoia that's what it is it's like an ongoing sort of paranoia, I guess. So you mentioned CBT. Now I've had CB. I had CBT a few years ago when I remember my dad was um, diagnosed with terminal cancer, and I just completely fell apart. And I was also diagnosed with anxiety and depression. And mine very much stems from control. If I don't feel mm-hmm. control in a situation, I find it very very difficult. So things like terminal illness and I find especially now in being a mum, I can't control what a toddler does all the time because they have their own mind. And that's that to me is very triggering. But CBT saved my life. I've said to people before, really? like, yeah, like it absolutely, I genuinely don't think I'd be able to function properly as a human being without doing it. It was yeah. the best thing. And lots of people are very much like, no, surely talking therapies very good. I think a combination of both, if you can do it, mm. is brilliant. Was it CBT that you did to help with that or was did yeah so I guess in a similar way really I did feel like when I went to my CBT sessions that there was finally someone sat in front of me that actually understood what I was saying and could confirm that how I was feeling wasn't an abnormal thing for someone that had 
the same as me. So it felt kind of nice in a way knowing that, I mean, it sounds awful, but knowing that there are other people that did feel the same because I did think I was just going crazy. But the thing, the methods that we used, I still use to this day. So it got to the point with how I was feeling that I would not leave my flat at uni because I was just so, I was terrified. But when I had CBT, the strategies that we used, I could use before I went out. And then if I was out and I started to panic, maybe went into a panic attack, maybe felt like people were looking at me, I could use those tools again and I'd immediately feel better. And even to this day, I use it in my job if I'm feeling anxious. I use it every day, I guess, when I leave the house. Even now, I think about those things that we went through. And yeah, so it did yeah. in a sense. Oh, do they way, stick with you? They stick, yeah, they do stick with you and they do, yeah, they become incredibly useful. Like I said, I use them. I probably use them every day now and you probably don't even realise you do it. No. I think for those people that don't know, CBT stands for Cognitive Behavioural Therapy and it is not like talking therapy is very much about kind of getting emotions out and trying to delve into stuff that might have gone on cbt is very practical and i think Mm. that's why i really liked it like i'm also a bit of a geek so the fact that you got homework to do was like yes i loved that (laughs) me too (laughs) i bought so many books in that period of time and i've still do you know i've still got my notebook from when i did cbt that i wrote everything down in and um, yeah it's very it's very practical and it's very kind of stuff you can use in the moment so um for those of you that don't know that's that's what cbt is it's great um I'll leave a link to some of the an Amazon link to some of the yeah, books that's a good that idea. I have in the show notes. But obviously, you know, these things are best done with professional help. So yeah, uh, always keep that in mind. But if you're interested in reading about it in general, I will leave a couple of the links to the books that I have um, in the show notes. But so you obviously went through the CBT and it gave you ways to kind of cope and manage. So then when you we're going to have a family was that something that was always on your mind or would you like a couple I've read a few articles in prep for the interview that was a couple of people mm-hmm. were very much like I don't want to have kids because the, the idea of my body being out of my control was too scary did that ever cross your mind or was that were you when, sort of so when I always thought about having children I always felt like there were certain parts of it that I would be able to control, particularly in pregnancy. So I always felt like, well, it doesn't matter because I can control what I'm putting into my body. Um, So that was obviously a really unhealthy thought because I was basically telling myself that it wouldn't matter when I was pregnant because I could stop myself eating certain things. So then that's obviously going into like eating disorder territory, which is just, that was such an unhealthy thought to have now when I think about it. But then when the time actually came and I was pregnant, I'd honestly, I didn't even think about it it didn't even come into my head that my body was going to change one because Ted was totally not planned and I was in complete shock (laughs) but (laughs) two because I just 
I was just so overwhelmed that I was going to be bringing a child into the world. And I knew that I was going to have to change how I felt about myself to make this child happy, to make my family happy. Um, I didn't want Rob to have to, because everything I go through, he obviously has to go through as well. And I thought enough is enough. He can't keep going through this with me. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's funny. So my, so I guess I've never had any kind of difficulties in my body, but I used to be a, like, I used to ballet dance. Hmm. So my body's always been very kind of strong. And throughout all of that, there was very much kind of like, I remember having one dance teacher that used to get a cane and she used to smack you in the back of the legs. And if your thighs wobbled, she used to show you. Oh my God. What? Yeah. that. Yep. Yeah, I remember it crystal clear and that is mad and it's when I think back on stuff like that I'm amazed that I never ended up with any sort of kind of eating Mm. disorder or issue with food there was girls I know that used to soak cotton wool in orange juice and eat that to keep themselves full goodness me and all sorts of stuff like it was it was really intense but I was always I've always been I was always quite a skinny kid anyway like I was always quite lean and then I got quite muscly and as I got older like I was always like I say before I had Sky I was like an eight I was like eight to ten probably like yeah I've always been like I used to get teased in high school because I had no boobs and I'll never forget like I know I got really teased for being flat chested and it's really funny because I've got quite big boobs now and I remember bumping into I know I remember bumping into a guy from school not all that long ago in Glasgow and he actually asked me outright if I'd had a boob job and I was like nope jokes on you these suckers these suckers just took a while but here now (laughs) oh my god I remember like I remember yeah I used to love getting dressed in like skimpy outfits and like Mm. all of that kind of stuff and go I remember going out for Halloween once in a full like latex catwoman get up oh I love (laughs) that I mean, I I felt bomb, right? I'd probably look like oh sausage God, yes. in a casing now, but that would be a whole That's other thing. Amazing, but it's funny because I don't. I think I was always, and but the thing is, and it wasn't until I met John hmm. that then he'd be like, I was, I, I'd moved to London and I was having a great time, and like I didn't eat, but not because of any sort of issue, just because I forgot or I was poor. <laughs> yeah, no, this was this is what I was like at uni, so. When I was teenage years, I was always, I wasn't chubby, but compared to all the other girls who were like a size six and I was a size 12, I looked, I always looked so much bigger than everyone else. And then when I went to uni, because of the busyness, because I was too busy trying to well, one, battle what was going on in my head and two, also try and hide the fact I was battling what was going on in my head by trying to be social, trying to keep up with my course, etc. I just didn't have, I didn't think about eating and I remember so many times my parents asked me if I was stopping myself from eating but I wasn't, I just would actually forget Um, And because of the issues I was having, I think that, yeah, people did genuinely think that I had an eating disorder, but I didn't. I was just, (laughs) I was too busy 
Yeah, and I yeah, John used to be like, "Have you eaten today?" I'd be like, "Oh, have I? I don't remember." And he'd yeah. be like, "Oh my god, are you kidding me?" But then it's funny because now, like, my whole day revolves around food. Uh, me too. I, I mean, <laughs> I mean, especially today for full clarity, everybody. I've come on my period today, and I have eaten everything beige in my entire house. Oh, like, that is that um, is always me on that yeah. first day as well. Oh. First day. I knew something wasn't right and I was eating and eating and then I cried three times today and I was like, <laughs> oh, this makes sense. <laughs> but yeah, and but now like, and I also think a big part of it with me is the fact that I never used to cook and I'm a big cook now, like I adore yeah. cooking. See, I but, yeah. still hate cooking. Oh, uh, see, I've, no. I, I never, yeah, I never used to cook ever and then I met John and then now we, like, we cook every day, yeah. obviously, but like, we, we're a cook from scratch. We're like those smug people that cook everything from scratch. Um, apart from when obviously Sky gets chick- like f- fish fingers and chips, which she does often, I'd like to point out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I found that I sort of never really thought about my body changing anyway. Mm. And when I was pregnant the first time round, it was, I almost felt like it was somebody was like, this is a free pass now to not, I think before I would worry about my weight and I would worry about what I looked like. Yeah. I do, like, especially because I loved clothes and all of that kind of stuff. And it was very much kind of, you know, that way trends would come in and you'd be like, oh, I'm not entirely sure I can wear that until I lose a couple of pounds around my middle. Like, hello, I'm talking to you, crop tops and all of that <laughs> kind of stuff. Yeah. And like, and then I remember when I got pregnant the first time around, I was like, I don't have to care about this anymore. And I, like, I ate everything. I, I mean, everything. Like, I was <laughs> eating, like, and especially because I was so, I, I never got sick, but I was knackered. And I ate, I think I ate, like, mac and cheese every day, I think. Oh, but then that, that is the dream. <laughs> I know. But then obviously I, that baby didn't work out. Mm. So then after that, I was left heavier with no baby. And and then I was a bit like, oh, yeah. oh, hold on a second. And I think that's probably the time I had the hardest bit with my body, which which from there to getting pregnant with Sky was six months. Yeah. And that was probably, I feel like, my the time when I was. But I also think that was partly down to what I looked like, but also partly down to the fact that I was angry at my body for what had happened. Yeah. But. Yeah, that, I think that, that was a large part of mine. And then when I got pregnant with Sky, like once we got into the swing of things and everything was fine, I loved how I looked when I was pregnant. See, I, I'm so like envious of that because I just, well, it was difficult because my bump was so small that for about the first, I'd say seven months, I didn't even look pregnant. So to me and to people around me and because of my job because I was teaching to my students as well people just thought that I'd put on weight and that was horrifying because if people didn't know the thought of them thinking that I was just chubby it sounds horrible but it made me feel awful like absolutely terrible because I just I didn't show until I was about seven months gone and all I wanted was this like nice big round bump and I just I didn't even post pictures of my pregnancy I never posted a bump picture I don't think I've even got any bump pictures because I just 
wanted a nice round bump and I didn't have one. Does it make you sad now that you don't have pictures or do you think you'd probably, you would like, if you could go back and tell yourself you're going to want these pictures or do you think actually you still would be the same? It's like, it's not. Well, I have one picture that Rob took and I'm laying on the sofa and I'm just in my underwear and he took it because he said to me, like, I've never looked as beautiful as I do in that picture because oh. I know how soft I cry. I know. <laughs> but like I'm I've got like this gorgeous glow and like my hair's all like long and luscious and thick because it's that like pregnancy hair and I'm just laying there and I think I'm just like on my phone. But that one picture is so amazing that it does make me really regret not taking pictures because even if I did feel awful in them at the time looking back on them now I probably would have loved it because when I look back at that picture I just oh it makes me feel so many things I know I know you mean I I ended up having a really gorgeous photographer in Cambridge reached out and was like I'm just getting into the game can I take pictures of like a bump shoot for you for free and I was like "Eh, yeah absolutely and I'm so glad I did it because literally three weeks later Sky arrived Oh. And I would have missed, and I would have missed out on the chance because obviously I didn't know she was coming. So like, yeah. I'm so glad we did it when we did. Otherwise, I don't. I was really bad at taking pictures too, and I think it's because mine's probably more psychological and deep down, I was really worried that it was never like until that baby was in my arms and fine. Yeah. I wasn't entirely convinced it was going to happen. Yeah, um, I get but that. I remember loving my bump, and I had the opposite to you. So like, I was huge, right? If you'd seen me at seven months, which is when Sky arrived, yeah, people assumed I was full term. No I had way. a big old bowling ball of a bump. Aww. I was huge. But I guess it's in a double-edged sword. And I and I, I think this is probably an interesting talking point for you being worried on how people viewed you. Mm. But there's also this sort of weird unwritten rule all of a sudden when you become pregnant that it is totally acceptable to talk about how you look to your face. Oh my God, all the time. All and the time. <laughs> I swear, I was at the point, if one more person had asked me if I was having twins, I was going to sit on them. Oh. And I was like, do you want to know how heavy I am? Because I will sit on you. Because oh, I was God. so fed up. I was so bored of people say, or like saying when you do, and me saying, oh, not till January. And them giving the face of like, holy crap, are you kidding me? Why You're going to be the size of the Titanic by then. To say that. Oh. You don't do it to people in regular life. So why is it all of a sudden when you're growing another human, which let's face it, if you felt like I did, I felt pretty vulnerable a lot of the time. But the sounds of it, you did too. Why then is it totally acceptable to talk about it? Like, I just don't get it. Like, Well, I was, because I was so sick. That's one of the reasons why my bump was so small, because I was so skinny. I was so frail and pale for most of it that people would constantly comment on how I didn't have a pregnancy glow and how I looked like I needed to eat more and it was always oh you're eating for two so here's another donut kind of thing and I oh it was yeah it was awful but I think the worst bit for me was the fact that my bump was so small and I was having to go for these growth scans all the time as well because they were so worried that Ted was going to be tiny or that he wasn't growing and he was always healthy but every time I got that appointment booked for that growth scan I would just be in panic and then people telling you 
how tiny you are. Yeah. When you're actually worried that you're tiny because your baby's not growing is, yeah, it's people just need to watch what they say, don't they? And But it's so funny, though, because what size was Terrible? How, how much did he weigh when he came out? When he, he eventually arrived? Too. Right? So you're in a tiny bump, right? You had a small bump and he was eight pounds too. I had a gigantic ass bowling ball and my baby was four pounds. No, I so know. Exactly. It shows no logic in it whatsoever. Like, honestly, yeah. I was like, I remember them being like, oh, you're massive, you're massive. And I was like, here's your tiny four pound baby oh. who looks like the size of a beanie baby. And I was like, what the hell else is in there then, by the way? Because I was like, oh, I know. turns out mine was water retention because holy shit, did I get the night sweats afterwards. Oh, I really? sweated out all of that bowling ball's worth of weight. I used to, I was like sweating through like three pairs of pajamas and bed sheets a night. It was grim. No way. Oh, and nobody told me and I had a C-section and yeah. nobody told me. So I woke up one night, like literally, I've never sweated like it in my life. I literally, like I'd had a shower, convinced I was oh. dying of some sort of infection because I had obviously had a fever, but my temperature was fine. And they were like, oh no that'll just be sweating out water weight and I was like oh eh, that's God. not in any book I've read love I was like what's happening I didn't know that was a thing until now so some people get it and some people don't and it's really funny because it's it, not many people I know have had it yeah and then randomly of all people good old Mrs Hinch she got it really bad apparently after having Ronnie oh and really? she put it up on her stories and all of a sudden loads of people apparently replied to her being like I got that and nobody told me. And I was like, yep, I was one of them. There I was three, three pairs of pajamas a night and like a change of bed sheets. It was horrible. That's mad. Oh, it was vile. <laughs> I, I used to have to shower every morning because I literally just felt gross. Oh. Yeah, I know. There you go. I think there's it's a question another- later on about the most unexpected thing that happened to your body after yeah, birth. That, that was 100% mine because I did not see that coming. Did not know but- that. But yeah, I feel like in pregnancy, most of the stuff, I didn't expect my feet to change size. I wasn't pleased with that because then I didn't fit into any shoes. My feet got smaller. How weird is that? They Did got they? like, they got maybe like all the, chubbier. Maybe all the size for your feet went like, went up into the bumpiness. <laughs> <laughs> it was really weird. Like I could fit in a size four when I'm normally a five because I've got these really lovely, they're like a pale pink, uh, they're Vans but they're like suede and oh, Rob bought them nice. for me as like a, you wear chunky heels all the time. I don't want you to wear them. So here's a pair of trainers kind of <laughs> present. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and they're a size four and they fit me. And now my toes are like right at the oh, end no. and like all scrunched up, but I just kind of grip my teeth and get on with it because they're so pretty. But well, I did the thing I swore I would never do in my entire life, having loved fashion. And I was so fed up of shoes not fitting me, I bought a pair of Ugg boots because I was like, I don't care. Did the you? Only, I did. Because that is the a only bold things, move. They're the only things that my feet could fit. And John was like, they're how much? And I was like, so hormonal. I was like, I don't care. My feet don't Aww. fit anything else. And he was like, okay, cool. Do you know Enjoy what, though? That was a massive issue for me whilst I was pregnant was not being able to find clothes that were the style that I wanted them to be and not being able to dress how I wanted to because that was such a big part of me feeling confident and feeling better about myself and having that stripped away from me that yeah thinking about it I find that hard I find that really hard especially because in Cambridge there's literally no shops that sell maternity clothes yeah and I I went into everywhere I mean I tried I got desperate I went into M&S 
there's an H&M here. Nope. There was a very small section. I managed to get two pairs of jeans and new look, and that was about it. And I eventually just gave up. I was working in London. I was commuting four hours a day to London, which I do not advise to do when you're pregnant. It was horrible. Um, And I used to go into the top shop on um, Oxford Circus because it was the only place that I could get stuff that I was like, well, at least this feels semi-like me. But it was expensive. So I ended up just not buying I've still got stuff. Actually, funny enough, I was wearing. I I bought loads of like monkey oversized shirts. Because, oh, again, that's I a was, good idea. I was hoping to breastfeed, so I was like, I bought a pair of leather loot leggings and a couple of pairs of jeans, and then I would just mm-hmm. buy like oversized shirts and stuff like that in the hope yeah. that they would fit. But I found that a real struggle, and I found that struggle continued after having Sky. And I feel like some days it gets me even now in the fact that like. I love wearing like dresses and chunky boots. It's like mm-hmm. I would wear all day, every day. But then equally, I'm going to a play park and having to climb up climbing frames. So actually, sometimes it's not practical. Although I did learn this summer that just wearing cycling shorts under a dress works. But Yeah, that's what I do. I don't, yeah. I never dress practically for what I'm doing at all. I am that person <laughs> that you'll see at the park wearing a dress like, a mini dress with chunky boots with a heel and I'm like trying to climb up some sort of climbing frame with Ted and <laughs> just falling down miserably like Bambi but yeah that I am that person <laughs> yeah I am I'm like I feel like some days I'm like I get bored like I find especially in lockdown um, I was getting into the rut of like leggings and jumpers and stuff and I was just getting into, and like not putting my makeup on and then I was actually making myself feel worse so I was trying to like one of the things I'm looking forward to most about going back to work is that routine of getting up and getting properly dressed every day I'm oh, so excited yeah yeah during lockdown I was a mess I was just in my pajamas pretty much all the time and unless we went out for our one walk a day but then, yeah, I was the same. It was like leggings and jumpers. So yeah, when just kind of, of, what's the point? <laughs> exactly. And then when the summer hit and I could start wearing things I really wanted to again and we were going out more and we could go out and do more, that was a good time. And like going back to work in the last few weeks has just been amazing as well because I've rediscovered <laughs> all of my many clothes that haven't been worn for the last six months so that's been fun and that is like that is a massive confidence boost yeah I'm just glad that they fit me you see I ended up I've ended up with pretty for the most part a whole new wardrobe so I'm so I was an eight to ten before I had sky and I am a 12 to 14 now easy like yeah probably a solid 12 14 in certain places because you know what sizing is like in the UK it's messed up yeah Um, big time (laughs) yeah so uh, yeah my I definitely like and yeah my body shape totally changed like I was always a very classic hourglass like I've always had fairly big chest quite a small waist and then quite big hips my weight I, I definitely don't have the waist definition I had before I'm I'm definitely bottom heavy now for sure well before Ted was born I was I was really underweight I was like a size four size six but I'd wear clothes that were an eight or a ten to kind of hide my body so all of my weight used to be on my legs so I could get away with wearing skinny jeans on 
the bottom half and then like a massive shirt or jumper on top and no one would know like how small I was on top if that makes sense so I would kind of yeah I could easily hide that but since having him I am now very much an hourglass shape I've put loads of weight on my boobs which I am definitely not going to complain about (laughs) very happy that they now exist and my bum as well so I've been I feel like I've been really really lucky because I've just filled out in nice places I mean I've still got a proper mum tum going on but yeah me too yeah sky's favorite game at the minute is lift she lifts my top up she sticks her finger as far as she can into my belly button laughs and then goes bye bye and then pulls my top down (laughs) cool what a what a game this is this is great (laughs) i love that yeah ted keeps lifting up my top at the moment and he'll like play my boobs like they're drums (laughs) i love that and rob thinks it's hilarious and he'll just be uh, like, that's my boy. I'm like, no. <laughs> no, he's not supposed to do that until he's like 30, right? Like, like, let's get this straight. I'm like, stop oh. objectifying me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless. That's so funny. But oh, yeah, nice. it's, it's, it's funny because I actually lost. So when I first had Sky, I think it was, it might have been all the sweating. Who knows what it was? But I ended up, when she was about six months old, I ended up thinner than I was before I got pregnant. So many people have said that. Yeah. And then the weight I've put on now, I can't even blame her, if that makes sense. Like, it's not, it was, the weight I've got now is not from being pregnant. I think a lot of it was down to being on maternity leave and eating a lot of convenience food because. Yeah. You feel like you never get time. Or like now it's from eating her bloody leftovers. I'm terrible for doing that. Oh, me too. I'm eating like seven meals a day because I eat my meals and then I eat what's yeah. ever left first. But yeah, like for me, I think maternity leave, I definitely didn't. I have never been that person. I wish I was that person. When people talk about their fantasy self, right? So like their dream self. Yeah. My fantasy self loves exercise I do not I wish I did oh, I God, wish I, hate exercise. I wish I was that person see these people that are like love it and they'll no, do it I will do they're it they're lying <laughs> exactly I, I was like I'll do it because actually for my mental health it helps yeah but I don't particularly enjoy it and I find like the rigmarole of it I just find it dull and then there's the whole faff of having to shower and wash your hair so you've got to coordinate your hair wash day and all that kind of palaver but yeah and I I feel like on maternity leave I, I think you know, looking back, I probably suffered from a little bit of postnatal depression. I wouldn't, didn't really leave the house and I would eat. I, I mean, I used to just buy, I'd walk down, our trip out used to be to walk to the shop to buy a pack of chicken dippers of 12, which I used to come home, cook, eat, just eat that for my, just them for my lunch. Yeah. And then hide and hide the packet in the bin so John didn't know. Oh. <laughs> because it's all I wanted to eat and it's all I could be bothered yeah. to do or to think about. And that, I think. Oh yeah, is, that is where my the way I am carrying now. But ironically, I'm more confident with who I am than I've ever been. So I I look back at the pictures of me when I first moved to London, mm. and I, I was a size eight, and not gonna lie, I looked banging, but I was miserable. <laughs> yeah, no, I I feel the exact same. So before Ted, I was underweight I think I was about seven and a half stone 
at my smallest. So, but just before Ted, I was about eight stone. So I was teeny. And the worst bit was everyone used to tell me how great I looked all the time, which I didn't. This is it. I didn't at all. And then, so I very much needed to put on weight. And then after having Ted, I was three stone heavier, which when I weighed myself for the first time was absolutely horrifying. But then as time went on, I did realize it was what I needed and it was the best thing for me because now I'm the healthiest I've ever been. I'm like a 10 to 12 now. And I think like for me, that is probably how my body should be. Um, I think it's probably the healthiest weight that I should be. And I don't know, like, because my shape has changed, that's made me feel so much more confident. Like, I do feel like I can wear things that are tight-fitting now and I will feel good about myself, whereas I never had that before because I was always so scared that someone was going to tell me I needed to put weight on or, you know, or the opposite, that I was too big or because I was so disillusioned about what my body actually looked like I didn't know what other people were going to think of it so I think now I probably am the healthiest probably in mind as well as physically that I ever have been yeah you see I I feel like I lost myself a lot in that first year of motherhood and I think the thing with I was I I think I was sort of fine up until six months and then I actually found that six months to 12 months were really was really hard and that's the part I struggled and that's when I was eating nothing but chicken dippers and stuff and I'll never forget it was when the massive heat wave so Sky must have been what seven or eight months I think it was around this time like September time last year and me and John had tickets to go to a food festival right and we had he bought VIP tickets because it was under a tent so we could take Sky and all of that kind of stuff and I remember going and I dressed and I was wearing, I wore this like little strappy grey top and this white like um, like lace skirt. And I thought I looked great. And I went to this thing and I over, like John had gone to get food or something. And I was with Sky, and I overheard these girls talking about the fact that I was too fat to wear what I was wearing. Oh my God, that's awful. And they were a bunch, they were a bunch of Instagram influencers that had been taken there for like paid work. So they were all getting their photographs for Instagram and stuff like that. And I remember John came back and I was like in floods of tears and he was like, what's happened? I was like, it's fine. It's fine. I remember telling him when he got home and he was so angry. And I feel like that was a moment that I. That's awful. It was a particularly low point. And I was like struggling to be a mum. I feel like I'd lost who I was and how to dress and I didn't like how I looked and the funniest part is I've not changed how I looked but I I remember that point I was like do you know what I just I need to make better decisions so then I started kind of going out with Sky and like walking more and yeah getting back into cooking because she was starting to wean then as well and I feel like that had like thrown me off cooking and like all of that kind of stuff and then yeah and it's funny because I've not lost weight since that moment but I feel like I don't know, it almost feels like hearing them say that made me more determined to accept myself than it did change myself. Yeah. I think Which so I know sounds bizarre. It, yeah, but so much of it is just in your mind, isn't it? And I think with 
especially with body dysmorphia, that is the biggest thing is that you could be the most stunning person in the whole entire world and you would still feel like you're the ugliest because your brain's telling you to. And I do think that everybody does have that in them, does have that element of dysmorphia in them. And it's like how much we let it control us, if that makes sense. A hundred percent, because I think that's it. Because like I get like I've put like videos of myself on Instagram, like dancing in my underwear and stuff like that, and loads of people are like I wish I had your confidence. And I go back to them and I'm like, love, I don't feel like this all the time. <laughs> yeah, like, but like these days, and the one that gets me sometimes now is photographs. Like John will take pictures, and sometimes I look at I look at pictures of myself and go, God, I don't look like that, do I? I don't feel like I look yeah. like that. And that's still, you know, I put my hands up like that. That still creeps in. Like, and, you know, I think I'd be surprised if there's anybody that doesn't have that creepy even people who do genuinely love the way they look. There's still going to be days when you're just like, oh, yeah, I'm not feeling so it true. today at, at all. But I feel like the big difference in my mindset shift came from two things. It came from wanting to not care what other people thought and said which I think was the first mm-hmm. thing. And that was a real kind of like, screw you. I want to get to the point where I'm happy myself. But the second one was, I then was suddenly very, very aware that I had a little girl and I would, yeah, it would break my heart if I heard Sky talk to herself the way I was talking to myself. Yeah. And I thought, I can't set a good example for her if I don't sort my shit out. Yeah, I think that's so true. Like, I remember when I was pregnant, everyone thought that I was having a girl. And so I had it in my head that I was having a girl. And I remember thinking to myself, probably on a daily basis, that I needed to change how I was and what my mindset was like. Because if I had a girl, it was going to rub off on her. And I do think having a boy and knowing that what I'm saying could still rub off on him. My thoughts on that haven't changed at all, but I just thought that it was interesting that people would say to me, like, you're having a girl, and my immediate thought was that. But the thought of having a boy, that's not what would come into my head. thought of having a boy, it was all like, we're going to go on adventures through the forest and, you know, roll about in the mud, and but with a girl... I was just thinking that my insecurities were going to rub off. To rub her. off. Mm. Um, the irony part of that is the fact that I have a girl and all she wants to do is roll in the mud. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? I was thinking that as I said that. <laughs> so that's ironic. But yeah, but it's funny though, because I feel like, and I think it's important to say that obviously boys and men can suffer from, yeah. you know, all of this too. And I think the stuff that's just come out with Freddie Flintoff at the minute is incredibly important and him talking about his he his battle with bulimia is amazing but i feel like the thought of sky growing up the thought of sky growing up with instagram specifically scares the living crap out of me oh, because God, yeah and tick i mean i'm not even on tiktok right i feel like i'm too old for tiktok um <laughs> but <laughs> you're like, not missing anything thanks uh, but like all of these people on these platforms that are like makeup like some of the girls I see on there and I think oh there she's like 25 and then her like bio says she's like 15 I'm like oh my god like the thought of Sky feeling like she has to be like that to fit in yeah really scares me so I've got this kind of real like one of my like 
those kind of unwritten values you want to instill in your like in your family and in your kids which is very much family based which is why it starts with me is you are absolutely fine the way you are like you are perfect as long as you are healthy then that's all that matters and and you know I realize that that has to come from me and John who luckily I used to say thinks he's great. That doesn't come out. This is going to come out right. Like is very confident in who in yeah. who he is, and always has been, and how he looks, and who he is, and stuff like that. And like that's why I will do workouts with Sky there, and mm. we will eat together as much as possible. And you know, because I, I kind of feel like I want to instill that in her when she's very young. But it feels like a very daunting thing to try and yeah. instill in someone when you're on that journey. Some days more than others as well. Yeah, because Instagram's an interesting one, really, because it's so good and so bad in body confidence, I would say, because there are so many unrealistic pictures out there. And like you said, like 15-year-olds who look 25 and have got like the life of a 25-year-old influencer, but they're not. And then you've also got the really, really real side of it as well that I think is very much around in the mum community where people are showing their stretch marks and will happily sit there you know in their underwear and show off their new mum board and and it's good but it's bad as well like it's a really really difficult one I think it's a really yes it is it's really tough and it's things like I just hope it sounds really weird and I've said this before and I hope it doesn't come out wrong I hope we get to a point in the future where it's not about body body positivity it's about body neutrality like yes I like it's not it's not about what bodies are good and what bodies are bad it's just about the fact that it shouldn't be commented on full stop like like what does it matter like yeah there's just such an obsession isn't there and I think going back to your story as well about the girls that made the comment I feel like places like Instagram they almost like promote that sort of behavior because you can so easily access what somebody looks like what they're wearing and so easily even in the comfort of your own homes comment on it like I know so many people who maybe over lockdown have either got really fit and healthy or who have gained weight and especially going like back to work or seeing people I've not seen in a while often the conversation comes up where they'll say like oh have you seen so and so like they're looking really good or have you seen so and so like what's happened to them and I just think I don't want to I don't want to have this conversation with you yeah I don't want to comment on it no because there's so much more than what they're bodies are and that's really something that on a personal level really really bothers me because it's almost triggering because it's making me think well if they're saying that about these people what are they then going and saying to other people about me and what I currently look like yeah and that's it it's that's yeah and I I feel like I used to have, I think after those girls, I used to then get really paranoid about it. And there is a big chunk of my Instagram and you can probably pinpoint it and I'm not in it very much. Yeah. Like I I kind of was, 
I very much shied away. And then, and I wish I could pinpoint what it was that changed or I just sort of was like, do you know what? I think it was also when I was going back to work the first time round, you know, the false start that that, that was. <laughs> um, I very much was like, right, now I've got wife, I've got mum life, I've got work, I've got the house, I've got friendships, I've got, and there were so many plates to spin. And I was like, do you know what? I just, I just can't, can't be bothered to give my energy mm. to that, to worrying about what I yeah. look like. I can't, like, and I, and when I say that, I don't mean like, I love, you know me, I love my makeup, I love getting glam. Yeah. I would do like days like today after crying twice. I was like, I'm putting makeup on. I didn't, I didn't leave the house. I wasn't going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I really feel like I wanted to put makeup on. Like, it's not, a, it's not that. It's just like, it's the, like, why stand in front of the mirror for 20 minutes pulling yourself apart? What good does it do? Does it get the day done any quick? I've got, t- I've got too much other shit to do. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> and it's I just think- like, don't give it the time and energy to yeah. take over your mind. I feel like that's what it is. It's not that I'm confident every day. It's just that I don't give it the space in my life to, yeah. to navigate how I feel or what I do. I think that's why like motherhood has been the biggest blessing for me because I just I don't need to think about it anymore because I've got so many other things to think about. I'm just thinking about what's actually clean to wear (laughs) and how long I've got to put my makeup on in the morning I'm not thinking about how it's actually gonna look and I'm just straight out that door whereas I think when you haven't got a little one running around like literally grabbing onto your leg whilst you're trying to pull your jeans up yeah you almost have more time to fixate on it and I think that is yeah that's definitely where motherhood has helped me with how I feel about myself so we have questions questions from the audience so to speak um and one of them is there's two that are kind of of a similar thing and they're talking about that phrase bounce back oh which I hate I feel like all mums hate it unless you do bounce back and in which case you probably love it but it feels like how I feel about it is you're told when you're pregnant that your whole life is about to change and everything's Mm going to be different so why do you get told in one instance that everything's going to be different oh but by the way you've got to look the same at the end of it I know it just it doesn't add up it doesn't make sense you are not the same (laughs) but there's such a like fixation on it as well isn't there and I think a lot of that comes from in the media when say when a celebrity has just given birth and then two days later they're like up on stage performing or something and it's I think that's a really unhealthy attitude that's promoted but I I remember being so I think Ted must have been about a month old and seeing someone that I knew from work in town and we had a nice chat and she said to me like oh you're looking really well and then I saw my mum, I think it was a few days later, and she'd spoken to this person and this person had said to her like, oh, she looks amazing. Hasn't she bounced back? And I hadn't. I was three stone heavier. And I just thought, well, I haven't even bounced back, but she's fixated on this idea that I have. And I don't know, it just, it really, really 
confused me that she was so this one person was so fixated on it yeah and i feel like it's i feel like there's this overwhelming kind of like focus on the baby focus on the baby focus on the baby when they're first born and mum gets ignored until mum doesn't bounce back i'm doing air quotes that no one can see (laughs) and then all of a sudden and then all of a sudden that's a focus and you're like well it's like it just feels like you want to scream. You can't have it always. You can't. T- you can't say to me, "My life's entirely changed," and still expect me to be or look the same at the end of it. It's just not a thing. <laughs> but I think, especially with like C-section mums, you've just had really, really major surgery. That when it's done for other reasons, isn't it something like three months to? You're meant to rest for 12, three months. Yeah, yeah, 12, 12 weeks, yeah. So you get, you, but, yeah, you, they say the first six weeks you basically can't do anything and you have yeah. to have these horrific blood thinning injections in your stomach, which kill. And when you're not a fan of needles, aka me, was hell. Oh. John thought it was great. I've never seen, I've never seen glee on a man's see. face. Never seen glee on a man's face. And, and uh, like when a nurse told him he got to inject me with needles for six weeks. And he looked yeah. so pleased. I was like, by this. This doesn't seem right. That's amazing. <laughs> he was like, really? The worst was, right? And this is really bad. And I'm pretty sure people are going to frown upon us for this. We went, because obviously Sky was in NICU and I was in a bad place. And one day John was like, let's go to the pub, right? I let him inject me with a needle after we'd been in the pub all afternoon. No way. <laughs> you are mad. Honestly. <laughs> I mean, jeez, oh, I think back on it, I think, what on earth oh, are you doing? that is brilliant, though. Um, I, I mean, I survived, but I think the other thing with C-section mums as well, and and I wonder if any of the other, you know, any of the other men out there feel the same. As a C-section mum, it never, ever feels like you will properly bounce back because you have phys- a physical yeah. scar that is never going to go away, that reminds mm. you of that. So your body is never going to look the same. Yeah. And I, my scar is fairly small and mine's quite low down. Keep in mind, Sky was teeny tiny tot, like she was really small. So my scar, I feel, is maybe smaller than others. I still have a lot of numbness around my scar. Like I still can't feel yeah. kind of like from below my belly button a little bit kind of down. Like, and some, sometimes, like I remember the other day speaking to the doctor because like mine all of a sudden got really itchy all of a sudden. They were like, oh, your nerves on the inside will still Ooh. be figuring stuff out. And that's been nearly two years. Yeah, so that just goes to show, doesn't it, that this idea of bouncing back is ridiculous because your body just isn't even capable of doing that. And it's also things like, like this, this, like the other thing that I didn't expect from after birth, and I don't know whether you had this, was the kind of the fact that you have contractions, sort of weird kind of contractions for like a week afterwards, and they're horrible. It feels like you're still pregnant. It's it's weird, but like again, stuff like that isn't talked about. And you're like, how can you bounce back? Like, like stuff has moved around. Stuff has got to take its time to go back to where it is. And you see these like celebrities wearing those things that squish all their insides together. And I just feel like, like, what if they squish something into the wrong place? Like that can't be healthy. No, (laughs) I remember though being absolutely fixated with like every single day I would lift up my top look in the mirror and see how much my bump had gone down and whether it had gone flat yet and I remember shortly after Ted was born reading Giovanna Fletcher's book the happy mum happy baby one oh I and read that she, when I was pregnant <laughs> did you she put yeah. like an exact quote of how I was feeling in there and 
I think it was she'd like lifted her top up and she'd shown Tom and her brother her tummy and she'd said to them like look it's really going down and they'd look to her like are you sure kind of look on their face but what they actually said was like oh yeah yeah it is <laughs> and that was that was me like that was me big time like I'd show Rob and you could tell he was like yeah yeah it's, it's going down <laughs> but he yeah, didn't well, really mean it <laughs> it's really funny because I remember thinking my bump had gone down loads the day that so Sky was in NICU for three weeks we came home on boxing day and I remember think I remember wearing like a pair of black skinny jeans and this like leopard print wraparound shirt and I remember thinking <laughs> that my bump had practically disappeared so you went up the back on the photo from that day who was I fucking kidding oh <laughs> I, like, I still look pregnant but I remember feeling like I felt like it gone down loads it yeah. was really funny because I remember looking so at funny, um but... maternity wear as well like the nursing tops and I remember being like why are they in the maternity wear bit like surely like after you give birth your bump goes like you don't need a massive like top to cover your bump and I remember my mum just being like <laughs> sure <laughs> are thing, you love. sure <laughs> <laughs> and then but then like the, as the bump deflates the boobs get bigger yes true when I my mean, milk came is- in, I looked like I had that. Remember that dodgy boob job that Victoria Beckham got where it literally yes. like she had half melons? That's what my boobs looked like when my milk came in. They literally would like be solid and like you'd like they were like two half men. Oh god, it was yeah. awful. <laughs> I looked like I had a really bad boob job. Oh my god, I loved mine when my milk came in. I absolutely <laughs> loved them. I remember, yeah, like standing there in the mirror, like I could get used to Look at these bad boys. <laughs> Check these out. But they really bloody hurt. Oh, yeah. I still to this day can't properly describe the feeling of needing to express. I was like, it's, I remember trying to explain it to John. I was like, it's like someone's got a sherbet dib dab in my boobs. And he was like, what? I was I like, like, I can't express it any other way than that. That is analogy. I love it. <laughs> and he was like, that sounds horrible. I was like, it is horrible. I need to get home now. And he was like, okay, cool. Amazing. Um, oh, so funny. Somebody's asked, what was the most unexpected change in your body during pregnancy? Mine, for me, it would be definitely stretch marks because I'd managed to convince myself that I was going to be one of those women that didn't have any. Oh, and you're going to hate me. I don't have any. See, mine are not bad. They're really not bad at all. Like, they're not even that obvious. But to me, they are. They're only on my hips. I'm looking at them now like inspecting them yeah they're only on my hips and then the insides of my legs which I thought was really really weird that they're on the insides of my legs but they I don't know I just even now I'm not used to them like they don't feel like they're really part of me yeah I don't mean so you don't because like my sister has really bad stretch marks in her stomach so I assumed I would my sister got pregnant when she was 19 so she was quite young and she's got really bad stretch marks. And my mum had stretch marks, I remember. So I was assuming I would, but I didn't. And it, and it's not because That's I had amazing. a small bump, as we've established. I don't, but I don't know. I, I didn't use creams or oils or like somebody bought me a tub of like tummy butter that I used, but I was pretty haphazard about it because it was greasy and it used to go over my pyjamas and I hated it. So yeah. I, I am that person that moisturises my whole body like head to toe after every shower and I always yeah. have done so I don't know whether it was that or what but I, I never got them and then I don't know part of me I know this is going to sound really weird because there's people at the point hate their stretch marks part of me was a bit like 
oh, I sort of assumed I'd get them and I didn't. Yeah. Like it feels like, it almost feels like a bit of a rite of passage that. Yeah. And then I probably, if I had them, I probably wouldn't want them. So, which doesn't make any sense really. Yeah. Like mine, I just don't really, I don't feel anything about them because they don't feel like they're part of me. I just look at them and I'm like, oh, they'll go one day. <laughs> like I've kind yeah. of got that mentality about them. Whereas realistically, if I were to have any more children, then I'd probably get more. So it, yeah, it's just weird that I just don't see them as part of me. But maybe that's me detaching myself from them. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Somebody's asked, and I love this question, what are you most thankful for your bodies for since being pregnant and giving birth? For me, it would be breastfeeding because I was so lucky. I had a really kind of successful breastfeeding journey and even though my boobs definitely aren't what they used to be at least they're bigger now (laughs) but they've definitely sacked but I'm still I'd like I don't I'm not that bothered about them sagging because of what they did for Ted if that makes sense so even even though they're not quite what they used to be they're still pretty special because they did that i love that i would definitely say mine is probably being a fighter because i i I had so many reasons to be angry with my body about the fact that sky came early and i was i you know i felt like my body had let me down it let me down in the first pregnancy it let me down in this one and i was very angry at it for a long time but actually when I say to people that I'd had a C-section and, you know, it was touch and go, my placenta, bro- like me and Sky both almost died. I lost a lot of blood. My goodness. The fact that I got discharged from hospital for f- four days after a C-section and on day five, I was travelling back and forth to a hospital that was half an hour away when I probably should have been in my bed. <laughs> you know, I feel like I'd say quick healing, but I don't think it was necessarily quick healing. It's just the kind of willingness to just crack on because I needed to go see my baby and that's always something I look back on and I'm like thanks for just keeping it together to to be able to do that and go see her and and I think I said in the last episode the NICU nurses were like you should be home resting like stay at home for a couple of days and I was like absolutely not hell no so yeah yeah, I feel like in a weird way that but I don't quite know how to articulate it properly it's almost (laughs) like your mind just took over your body and your brain was stronger than your yeah. physical being if that makes sense yeah something like that yeah as I was saying it I was like this sounds ridiculous but it might come out okay. <laughs> so I just went with it somebody's asked what advice would you give to somebody who's struggling to accept how their body's changed see this is such a hard one because I don't know if my advice or what or how I went about it is the best way of doing it but I think if it is getting to the point where it is taking over your life and it is all you think about which was the point that I got to then you like you 100% need to seek help and whether it be CBT or like we were talking about earlier or it's talking therapy whatever's gonna work for you whatever it might be you need to find 
a way to deal with it. You need to find what your coping mechanisms are. And yeah, for me, there were so, so many ways, even now there's so many ways that I can almost distract myself from it when I start to get those thoughts or I can feel them coming back. Because you can't change your body. You can't change what you've been through. So you can only make like the small steps to feel better about it. Mm. I would echo that. And I would also add, look at what you're consuming online and and in media and stuff like that. Like if you are following a whole bunch of people who are living that Instagram perfect mum life who, you know, have... I hate that word again, snapback, or in your view they have, and they've got it all together. Maybe mute them for a bit, and there's nothing against them. Just, just you know, take away people that are not making you feel better in that moment in time, and search out, look at the hashtags around, you know, mum bod and mum positivity, and and you know, just maybe try and like for where your mindset's at, filter what you consume. I guess online. Yeah, that's that's what one. I did. Yeah, that's what I did. Oh, me too. I still do it now. Yeah, me too. If I need like, if I need like, if I need like a good kind of like, actually, you got this. Your epic boost. There's a few people I follow. Um, I think Grace is it Grace F Victory and Body Posse Panda are two that I know that I always like go and I'm just like, yeah, yeah I got this. Um, <laughs> so yeah, for sure. Um, now this this is the last heart hitting question. Then I'm going to ask you a silly question and then we'll wrap up. But the, the last one I think is a controversial topic. How do you feel about MLMs who target new mums with fad ways to lose weight after having children? So, God, I have so many thoughts on this. So I know lots of people that are part of these companies and this is no disrespect to what they do at all. But one, I don't think these things work. The best way... If you want, if you do want to lose weight, the best way to do it is going to be through a healthy diet and exercising. Um, So I just, I don't think that it's right that they almost promote it as it's like the quick and easy way. Yeah. And I think for people that have eating disorders, that have some kind of dysmorphia, then it is. It is really damaging because you're promised something that isn't actually going to work. I mean, do any also, of these things work? <laughs> but it's also the fact, it's, for me, it's the, it's the implication as well. By messaging you and saying, do you want this stuff to lose weight, implies that you need to. Yes, And I feel exactly. like that is so bad because... You know, if you if you do message someone who's had you know prior difficulties with their weight, that is massively triggering. And also, it's kind of like, God, life! You've just become a new mum. I've there's bigger fish to fry, man. Like, mm. it shouldn't be. And it's just more. It's just more evidence to the snapback philosophy of it should be something you have to think about when you have a kid, and it shouldn't. Yeah. Be. 
And it's always mums, isn't it, that are targeted by... But also the thing that winds me up is it's other mums that seem to be doing it. The one that yeah, that's the true. message, the one that messaged me that caught me on a particularly sassy day, <laughs> got an absolute mouthful, and I was like, "How dare you? As a mum, you should know yeah. that this is not okay." And she was like, "I mean, she was pretty shocked, but by the response, she was like, I wasn't yeah. implying anything.'" And I was like, "But read between the lines, because to some people, you are." Um, so yeah. But yeah, that's so true. I, and then I danced in my underwear and I love Insta it. stories because I was like, I think I danced in my underwear to the Fuck You song by Lily Allen because I was particularly, that's even again, better. feeling particularly sassy that day, clearly. That is amazing. It's been a while since I've danced on my underwear on Instagram. Maybe I'll do it again this yeah, weekend. Yeah, <laughs> do it, girl. No, we'll do it on Wednesday to celebrate this episode coming There out. we go, do. yes. <laughs> do it. And then the last question, because somebody asked it and it really made me chuckle, is did either of your partners gain sympathy weight when you were pregnant? <laughs> I love it. I don't know if John did. <laughs> I can't remember. Right. So Rob is, he is so, so skinny and he hates me calling him skinny, but he's very slim. Let's say slim. That's a nicer word. Um, But when I first had Ted, he did get a little belly and because he was so slim everywhere else, he just had this like little pouch. But Aww, a pouch. no, but he's very like he plays football every weekend. He goes to the gym two, three times a week. So he quickly lost that. It was almost like a because he was so tired because he just needed some downtime because we weren't getting much sleep and stuff like that, that he just, you know, he wasn't as toned as he would normally be, but he would always joke that it was his dad bod. But well, when I saw, um, I saw loads of posts on Facebook of, uh, Zac Efron in his like new travel show. And people were saying it was a dad bod. And I asked him why he didn't have that sort of dad bod. <laughs> I think everybody wants to know why uh, their husbands aren't exactly in front of them on it. But, um, but yeah, I feel, like, I think, I feel like John might have because, again, we... Well, the funniest thing was when Sky first came home from the hospital, it was Christmas, and we'd bought a shed ton of Christmas party food that we had to eat. Um, Brilliant. Because we bought it thinking we were hosting Boxing Day party, and we did it. So we lived off Christmas party food for, like, a month. So that probably didn't help. <laughs> <laughs> but, that is amazing, though. Oh, it's the best thing, by the way. I might Stop just them. do that just because. Because Christmas party food's the best. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. If you get <laughs> to the end of this episode, send us a comment on Instagram just saying Christmas party food is the best and then we'll know you got to the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Um, thank you so much for coming on and for talking about what probably is a particularly tricky topic for you to talk about. It's very brave and I think it's going to help a lot of people. So thank, thank you. Thank you for having me. I've had fun. Even oh. though it's a, you know, it's quite a hard topic to talk about. It has been fun. So good. It's like, think, consider it free therapy. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, for those of you that don't follow Alice, I don't know what you're doing, but all of her details are going to be below, including the link to her incredible magazine, which is free to download, or you can buy print copies, which I do because I'm archaic. Um, <laughs> Alice and the Mums magazine, which is 
filled with all the types of stuff we talk about on this podcast really so if you sort of want a version of this podcast but in print then you absolutely need to go check out especially because this month (laughs) someone's written a whole piece about being mum to premi and i hear she's pretty cool (laughs) she is super cool (laughs) but the link to uh, the magazine and everything is going to be in the show notes thank you so much for listening everybody to yet another episode i hope you found it useful and i can't wait to hear what you guys think about on instagram and until next time goodbye bye